Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. Welcome and thank you for joining the on-holding AGQ1 2023 results call. Throughout today's recorded presentation, all participants will be in a listen-only mode. The presentation will be followed by a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, you may press star followed by one on your touchtone telephone. Please press the star key followed by zero for operator assistance. I would now like to turn the conference over to Jared Peter. Please go ahead. Good afternoon, good morning, and thank you for joining ON's 2023 first quarter earnings conference call and webcast. With me today on the call are executive co-chairman and co-founder Jasper Capetti, CFO and co-CEO Martin Hoffman, and co-CEO Mark Maurer. Before we begin, I would like to remind everyone that today's call is forward-looking statements within the meaning of the federal securities laws. These forward-looking statements reflect our current expectations and beliefs only and are subject to certain risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially. Please refer to our 20F filed with the SEC on March 21st for a detailed discussion of such risks and uncertainties. We will further reference certain non-IFRS financial measures such as adjusted EBDA and adjusted EBITDA margin. These measures are not intended to be considered in isolation or as a substitute for the financial information presented in accordance with IFRS. Please refer to today's release for reconciliation to the most comparable IFRS measures. We will begin with Casper, followed by Martin, leading through today's prepared remarks, after which we are looking forward to opening the call for a Q&A session. With that, I'm very happy to turn over the call to Casper. Thank you and a warm welcome from my side. It's a great pleasure to be here with you to discuss our first quarter performance and recent milestones. On entered 2023 with high ambitions of continuing our growth journey, capturing market share and further increasing profitability. We are pleased to share that the on growth story continues. We were able to exceed our expectations and post record net sales of 420.2 million Swiss francs in the three month period. This reflects a growth rate of 78% versus Q1 22, which have been somewhat constrained by the supply shortages that had affected our industry a year ago. As we have shared before, delivering best-in-class profit margins is a focus for ON, and I'm happy to report that we have been able to substantially expand our margins in the first quarter. Gross margin for the first quarter was 58.3%, and adjusted EBITDA was 14.5%. We are tracking well towards our midterm ambition of delivering best-in-class gross profit margins of 60% and EBITDA margins in the high teens. And Martin will expand on this in his comments in a minute. But first, let's have a look at some business highlights from this quarter. ON is an innovation company at heart, and we are happy to report that ON's recent running launches have met with very strong consumer demand and have helped ON capture additional market share in the running category. I'd like to highlight the extremely successful introduction of the Cloud Surface 6, which is the first ON product to feature computer-optimized technology, which we call CloudTech Phase, and will roll out to further models in coming seasons. And ON is also capturing mindshare in the running space. An emotional highlight was ON's first win in the Boston Marathon, with ON Athletics Club member Helen O'Beary distancing a very strong women's field and once again proving that ON's highest performance running shoes are some of the fastest marathon products. 
The Cloudform Echo 3, for example, will be more broadly available to consumers starting in July this year. We are very satisfied to see that ON's lightning and rain strategy, winning races and converting everyday runners to ON, is delivering strong results. To illustrate, with the Cloud Surfer, the Cloud Monster, the Cloud Runner, and the Cloud Go, four running products that were only launched within the last 12 months are now making up 45% of ON's sales at the leading US running store franchise, Fleet Feet. On the tennis side, we are thrilled to see world number one Iga Swiatek and Ben Shelton competing on the court in their new on gear. Iga stunned us all, coming back from an injury to win her first tournament as an non-athlete by defending her title at the Stuttgart Open in late April. Both the Roger Pro tennis performance products, as well as the Roger Lifestyle Tennis franchise, are in high demand and have been growing even significantly faster than on overall. The on-brand is strong and keeps getting stronger. In recent months, we have started to shift some of our marketing spend to awareness, image, and top funnel investment, and it is paying off. In March, the Cloud Surfer and our tagline Dream On were part of a global brand campaign that featured mega posters in key cities and airports supported by digital ads. In preparation for the spring marathon season, an additional emphasis was put on apparel with the Feel Nothing campaign, dedicated to the design and functionality of ON's apparel. Boston Marathon was supported by concerted PR outreach, resulting in strong media presence before and after the race and amplified by Helen O'Beary's stellar performance. As you know, ON is regarded as the thought leader for sustainability among sports brands and we have further put significant steps into action. ON's strategy is to pioneer sustainable technologies and scale them rapidly. And so we have taken learnings from Cyclone, ON's circular subscription, and have scaled them to mass market products. The new Cloud Surfer, for example, is the first commercial running shoe to feature a single material upper made from recycled polyester, which makes the product ready to be recycled. In addition, we use dope dyeing, which saves 90% water compared to conventional dyeing. We are now rolling these technologies out to further models in the coming seasons. We will give you further insights into ON's sustainable transformation in the upcoming impact progress report due to release in Q3. Overall, we are extremely happy with how the brand and products are resonating with our fans around the world and we still have a lot more to come in 2023 to be excited about. Our deepest gratitude goes out to our stellar team here at ON, who have planned and executed this quarter to perfection. With this, it is my great pleasure to hand over to Martin for the Q1 financial review, market deep dives, and elevated outlook for the full year. Thank you, Casper, and hello, everyone. You mentioned the win of Helen O'Beary in Boston. We are so proud to be one of only four brands to win one of the marathon majors during the last four years. Back in 2014, we had our first sales boost in the corner of the Marathon Expo in Boston. And ever since, we had dreamed of winning this race one day. Therefore, this victory was a very special moment for so many people at all. And now, we can dream even bigger. Our starting Q1 was outstanding and exceeded our own expectations. Net sales for the first quarter reached 420.2 million Swiss francs, 
up by 78.3% year over year. Our cross-profit margin increased from 51.8% to 58.3%, and our adjusted EBDA margin from 6.7 to 14.5%. In our full-year results call in March, we shared the strategic pillars that we are executing on to maintain our strong sales and profitability growth in 2023. Our record net sales in Q1 are a further validation of the strong brand momentum across all regions, channels, and product groups. Our strong supply position and our ability to distribute the high volume allowed us to capture the full momentum. This is a very different situation to the supply constraints that we had faced 12 months ago. To recall, these constraints in Q122 had a larger impact on wholesale than on T2C. As a result of the very high demand from our retail partners, combined with a lighter quarter last year, wholesale in Q1 grew 86%, reaching 283.2 million Swiss francs. The majority of this growth is coming from existing doors, both fueled by existing and new products. With the start of our new spring-summer season back in January, we continued our selective door expansion globally. In our direct markets, on products are now available in almost 9,800 doors. This includes the now 58 doors that we have at Dick's Sporting Goods, a partnership that we are incredibly happy with and that plays an important part in expanding our reach to new customers. In particular, we are very pleased to note that Dick's now boats the highest apparel share among all key accounts, a significant milestone in our efforts to establish on as a head-to-dough brand. The strong demand for the brand is directly reflected in our strong D2C growth across all regions. D2C net sales increased by 64.3% versus last year, a more normalized rate versus wholesale contributing 137 million Swiss francs to our top line. All regions grew by more than 50%. In Europe and in APEC, D2C growth had been stronger than wholesale growth. In our D2C data, we can also observe that we are increasingly reaching a younger consumer with our newer running models. This strategically important trend is very visible, for example, with the Cloud Monster and Cloud Runner that are among the top of our youngest leaning models in our running range. Along with many of our younger leaning performance all-day products, such as the Cloud Nova, this is further validating the successful expansion of our product offerings to a younger audience. We always emphasize the importance of our multi-channel strategy to meet the customer wherever they are. While still a small part, our own retail stores enable us to showcase on in the most premium way, and we are very happy with how they are elevating brand awareness. This is evidenced both in the increased D2C traffic following store openings and, at the same time, a spillover to wholesale doors in proximity to our own stores. In Q1, we more than quadrupled our retail net sales compared to the same period last year. We mentioned the strong start of our flagship store in London, and we're very happy that this momentum has sustained. This is providing us with the evidence 
that there is a demand for selected larger flagship locations. We are therefore extremely excited for the upcoming months, which will see the opening of new retail stores in Williamsburg and Miami. Both of these stores will have more than double the selling space compared to our current New York store. Moving on to our regional performance, where we continue to see strengths in all geographies. As many of you will have seen in our press release two weeks ago, we're updating our disclosure to no longer report a rest of world region as of this quarter. Our Middle East and Africa business will join Europe to form EMEA, while Latin America will be added to North America to form Americas. Our press release from May 2nd provides a detailed walkover from the old to the new regional splits for all quarters of the 2022 fiscal year. Not impacted by this change is the Asia-Pacific region. So let me start here. Net sales in Asia-Pacific accelerated to 31.1 million Swiss francs in Q1, growing by 89.4% compared to the same period last year. All three key markets, Australia, China, and Japan, have seen a very strong growth rate between 75% and 100%. We have seen a strong increase of local customers as well as international travelers in our Tokyo flagship store as well as our China stores. The APEC region continues to be a very strong showcase of our success of our apparel business with over 10% apparel share across the whole region. Moving on to Europe, Middle East and Africa, where net sales continue to grow strongly by 51.6%, to 118.9 million Swiss francs in Q1. Sales in the UK more than doubled, now making it the second largest country in the region. We already mentioned the multi-channel momentum in the London area, but we see a similar spike in demand in many other key cities. With some distance, Germany remains our largest market in the region as it continued to grow at 56%. With the launch of the new cloud server, on made big waves with strong presence in most key European cities, such as Barcelona, Paris, London, Berlin, and our home in Zurich. Let's say in the Americas increased by 91.9% .9 for the first quarter, reaching 270.2 million Swiss francs. This is 16.5 million more than the previous quarterly record sales in Q4 2022. This exceptional growth was driven by the strong demand in both channels of course supported by the control door expansion as outlined earlier. Turning to our performance by product category, net sales from shoe grew 80% to 400.5 million Swiss francs. The second half of the quarter saw exciting new launches, which of course included a cloud server that Casper elaborated on. In the first three months, we already sold more of the new cloud server than during the last two years of the old cloud server model combined. We also launched the Roger Pro Clay and our kids collection. Fueled by our emerging presence on tennis courts, demand for the Roger Pro is exceeding our own expectations. This is also true for kids shoes. We launched the Cloud Play and the Cloud Sky at a very selective number of key retail partners as well as our own D2C channels, and continue to see very strong sellout numbers. Apparel reached net sales of 16.9 million in the quarter, with a 48.9% year-on-year growth. 
Our new collections introduced for the spring summer season under the Feel Nothing campaign have resonated very well with our fans in both channels. The growth and uptake in apparel continues to be skewed more towards our D2C channel and newer markets as evidenced by the APEC example. This includes the proven ability of our D2C and our own store retail to fully showcase our head-to-toe looks and increase cross-selling between categories. Moving on to cross profit, which reached 244.9 million Swiss francs in the quarter, more than doubling year over year. We achieved a cross margin of 58.3%, up 650 basis points compared to Q1 22. The significant uplift year over year is largely a result of the normalized supply chain environment and the resulting discontinuation of the exceptional air freight usage, which had been most elevated in the first quarter last year. Our strong margin in Q1 also validates our full-year cross-profit margin target of around 58.5%, considering that Q1 normally has a much lower D2C share compared to the rest of the year. SG&A expenses, excluding share-based compensation, were 197.7 million Swiss francs and 47% of net sales in Q1, reduced from 49.1% in the same period last year. A couple of call-outs in the individual SG&A items. Working through the temporarily above optimal inventory volumes comes with slightly elevated distribution expenses for additional storage space, alongside the cost for the ramp-up of our warehouse automation projects around the globe. With 44.6 million marketing expenses, we invested more in brand building in our position as a premium performance brand rooted and running, and in the consumer awareness for on as a head-to-toe brand than in any previous quarter. Our big brand presence at key airports like Los Angeles, at the latest festival in China, or the Tokyo Marathon are just a few examples of more upper funnel investments to drive brand awareness globally. More and more customers experience on from a brand perspective, a brand with exciting, highly innovative and sustainable products. A very controlled and disciplined cost management and the strong net sales created economies of scale in both selling and general administration expenses. We continue to invest into our team by leveraging outsourcing opportunities. We also continue investing in our digital capabilities to connect more directly with our customers while using our tech landscape to drive efficiencies in key processes. As a result of these dynamics, our adjusted EBTA reached 61 million Swiss francs in the quarter, 288.2% up from 15.7 million in the prior year period. We achieved an adjusted EBTA margin of 14.5%, considerably up from 6.7% in Q1 22. Now moving to our balance sheet, capital expenditures were 9.7 million in Q1 23, or 2.3% of net sales, a significant reduction compared to the 16.3 million we had in Q1 22, when we were building out our new offices in Zurich and Portland. As expected and communicated in our full year results call, 
our inventory position at the end of Q1 increased slightly as a result of the normalization of lead times. Our inventory position stands at 465.2 million, up by 17.6% compared to December 22. The increase is driven by the early inflow of first fall winter season products. Overall, our inventory remains very fresh and sets us up to drive a continued high share of full price sales in 2023. Our cash balance at the end of Q1 was 361.3 million, only slightly below the 371 million Swiss francs at the end of Q4 22. We are progressing well on the expansion of our existing credit line and continue to anticipate closing the new facility during the course of Q2 or Q3. With that, let's look ahead. We had a very strong first quarter. We continue seeing a strong end customer demand during the first weeks of the second quarter. Also, as expected, growth rates have moderated as we approach a more comparable year-over-year -year situation. Our new products are resonating very strongly with existing and new fans. And we maintain a strong order book for the second half of the year driven by existing and exciting upcoming new products. As a result of all of this positive momentum, we again raise our guidance for the full year 23 and expect to reach at least 1.74 billion Swiss francs in net sales, an implied year-over-year -year growth of 42%. We continue to embed an element of caution in our outlook for the second half of the year in the light of the many risks in the current macroeconomic environment. On cross margin, as I briefly alluded to, we are retaining our cross profit margin guidance of 58.5% for the full year 23, which would for the first time bring our cross profit in absolute terms to over 1 billion Swiss francs for the year. On adjusted EBDA margin, we maintain our target of 15% for the full year even at the higher net sales expectation, implying a year-over-year -year absolute adjusted EBDA increase of close to 60%. With this strong outlook and business momentum, we expect to generate a positive cash flow in 2023. Last week, we introduced our exciting spring-summer 24 collection to our team and key partners at our global meetings in Ho Chi Minh City in Portland and in Zurich. We are highly energized and motivated by the initial waves of positive feedback for our apparel and footwear products from our retail partners and by the continued excitement around the own brand. Our teams are working with full speed to deepen our relationships and to build the foundation for continued strong growth for our partners and for us. We are so grateful for the strong and collaborative partnerships we continue to form and take this optimism and energy to our daily efforts to build an even more diverse and impactful business going forward. But even more important was the opportunity during the global meetings to connect with so many people from our team from across the world and to speak about dreams and obstacles and about our culture, because this is the fundament of everything. It is such a privilege for Casper, Mark, and I to present our strong results on behalf of our whole team. And we could not be happier 
about where we stand today. With that, we'd like to open up the session to your questions. Operator, we are ready to begin the Q&A session. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we will begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star followed by one on their touchtone telephone. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star followed by two. If you are using speaker equipment today, please lift the handset before making your selections. Anyone who has a question may press star followed by one at this time. One moment for the first question, please. The first question is from the line of Abby Sveniaks with Piper Sandler. Your question, please. Abby, you are now live. Ms. Abby Sweniaks from Piper Sandler, you are now live. Great. Thanks for taking my question. Um, congrats on the quarter. Um, just given the strength in Q1, I mean, I know you slowed the beat through the top line, but are you seeing any changes in consumer behavior that give you any more caution? Or are there any like, quarterly headwinds that we should be thinking about in terms of tougher compares? Or, you know, I think some peers have called out some softer wholesale trends in 2Q. Just any color there would be helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Abby, for the question, um, and welcome everyone also from my side. So, so what we saw on the wholesale side um, in 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 Q1, and it's kind of con the picture continues in in Q2 as well, is there's still a lot of in general there's still quite a bit of inventory in in some of the channels. So it's very important we're monitoring sell through, and the demand for the brand was continued to be strong, and that's what you're seeing in the result. That's what we're continuing to observe. It's a bit volatile in general. So the wholesale environment, um, when, when we look at sellouts, some weeks are, are very strong and then some weeks are a bit weaker. And this is also why basically we, we want to look at Q2, Q3, and Q4 with an element of caution. Um, we know we're all aware of the macro environment um, and, and it's really um, you know, some uncertainty there. But when we look at on, we are very confident and I just want to probably share with you also um, kind of when looking at DIX, for example, where we're now live in, in 58 doors, then already those doors have the highest average sell through of all doors that, that we have it on all wholesale doors. So, so also the new doors that we're adding, um, the, the brand has been received super, super strongly. Got it. And one follow-up, if I can, just on the um, the apparel business, I mean, this is the strongest year of your growth in, in four quarters. So can you talk about any changes to the assortment or the strategy and, like, specifically more color on where you see um, price points going for that business? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So, 
we feel we feel very confident where we're where we um where we're bringing the collection and you know we would have loved to welcome you at our at our global meeting so you could already see what's happening in in 2024 in the end we feel there's a lot of opportunity to take something that's born in performance running and move it into the movement all day all day active space this is why we're partnering with with some of the doors that are partnering as well and the products continue to evolve. The demand in, um, that comes from the selling that we have with the key accounts was very strong. Again, looking at Dix, for example, they are our strongest um, apparel door in terms of apparel share. And especially, I want to highlight that our own retail stores see, see very, very strong um, apparel numbers. And, and that's also one of the reasons why we are looking forward to continue to evolve our own retail network. From a price point perspective, we feel confident where we are. Um, there's definitely room to probably have a few more pieces um, in, in a little bit kind of an, um, a little bit a lower price point, which is close to where our current lowest price point is. But then we also feel we, we have a spot where there is demand and, and we're meeting the right consumer at the right place with the apparel pieces that we're having. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Aubrey Tianello with PNB Paribas. Your question, please. Hi, thanks so much for taking the questions. Uh, wanted to ask on the updated revenue guidance and, and just if you could maybe elaborate a bit more on what's driving the higher guide, whether there's you know anything <clears throat> specific to call out, either from a region or product perspective. Uh, and then second, you mentioned strong pre-orders for fall winter, uh, in particular in some key styles, gave you optimism for the back half of the year. Is there any change to your expectation on 2H revenue growth kind of in the low to mid 30s range? Well, okay, happy to, to take that one. Um, so we really have seen a very strong demand, but also uh, very good capabilities in fulfilling that demand in the last days of the quarter, which has uh, resulted in the overachievement compared to the number that we indicated in our last call. And um, now we have given that, that, that number into, into our full year outlook because we, we stay fully confident on the, on the year to go. Um, as Mark just said, our uh, business remains strong. We, the demand uh, remains strong with uh, uh, the, the the changes that we that, that we see in from a, on a week to week basis, um, our pre-orders for uh, for the fall winter season are very strong, and they um, the growth rate there um, indicates that we are in a position to to overachieve um, the number, but at the same time um, we want to stay in a position that we take the right decisions even in a in a weaker environment. We don't need to chase sales, but uh, continue to think long-term. And, and therefore, we, we embedded that element of cautionness from our how we look at the first half year versus the second half year. Um, this stays pretty much in line with what we shared in our last call. So now with the updated uh, Q1 number, we more look at a, a mid-50s growth rate in the, in the first half, and then the low to mid-30s in the, in the back half of the year. Great, thank you. The next question is from the line of JSO with UBS. Great, thank you so much. 
Just wondering if you can elaborate a little bit on the uh, the growth in the Asia Pacific region, particularly in China, what you're seeing there, and really maybe what your outlook is, not just for this year, but even if you look out a little bit beyond, uh, you know, how you see that market developing. Thank you. Thank you for the for the for the question, Jay. Um, hey, I think China. Uh, we, we're all aware of of how the market came back, and I think. January, February was still a bit slower, and then it really started to pick up. And we see we're very happy with the traffic that we're seeing um, in the store. So we, we currently have 15 stores in China, and two of those opened in Q1 2023. And we're planning to have 18 till, uh, to roughly 21 stores by the end of 2023. So the traffic is there. Um, we're, we're happy with the, with the sellout that we have in the stores. We're very happy with the product portfolio and how we're able to tell a performance message that's rooted in running, but that actually reaches consumers way beyond running in an active space, in a movement space, and, and we remain very, very, very confident um, for the mid and long term. Um, we, we, we said this before, right? I mean, we're in China because it, we want to make it uh, one of the top two markets, and, and that's what we're that's what we're aiming for, and this is what you see reflected. In the growth rates, obviously a lot of investment um, going in there. We have a team of over 100 people um, making sure we have a very tailored marketing approach as well with a lot of local content um, that we can bring to the market, but the brand is, is received well, and, and that's in the end what you see in the numbers. Terrific. Thank you so much. The next question is from the line of Chris. Christina Fernandez with Telsa Advisors. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning. I wanted to ask about the inventory. Can you give more color around how you expect it to flow over the next couple of quarters? If we want to the peak on an absolute basis and then it declines sequentially to you know, deliver that inventory, any more color that would be helpful. I'm happy to, to take this one. Um, recalling what we shared on, on the last call, um, the increase in inventory that we see and that the, the additional increase that we also saw now in Q1 was fully intentional and driven by the high demand that we saw and continue to see in the, in the spring, summer, and in the fall winter orders. So our, our inventory continues to be fresh and, and basically will allow us to to fulfill the demand in the coming months at full price. Um, now, the, the increase of the inventory, as we shared it last time, is, is the result of shorter lead times, uh, transit times, and together with, with more and more reliable factory outputs that, that we have seen. And so back in December, we started to adjust our production orders going forward, but uh, because you have a, a certain commitment towards your factories, those adjustments will, will only come into place at scale now in the, in the second quarter. But we already see the first, the first results of that. If, if we would look one level down on, on inventory, um, at the end of December, we had 145 million inventory in transit. Now at the end of March, we only had 124 million of inventory in transit, so 20 million less. So that means that there's, there's, there's already less inventory in the in the pipeline and so as we have shared in the in the last call um, our goal is still to to reach around 30 percent of, of working capital in terms of net sales by the end of the year so looking at an 
an, an inventory in the range of, of, of somewhere 425 to 450 million. So this is, this is where we want to be. So at a lower level than, than where we are at the moment, somewhere in between um, end, of, end of March and end of December. Thank you. And now, uh, my second question is, when you uh, look at the demand you're seeing globally, are there any call-outs uh, by region as far as, are the products that are resonating, for example, in the, in the Americas are the same as in India or APAC, or are there differences in performance by lifestyle, any, any call-outs uh, there as far as what's, you know, what's working in one region versus the other? So if we got the correctly, the question is on on um, regional differences from a product side and how the how the products are received. So when I mean really aside, and we mentioned it in in in, in the notes as well. I think we saw strong growth across all regions, right? So EMEA Americas and Asia Pacific. We just spoke about China, where where January and February was still a very difficult in, environment, and despite that. Um, we still almost had 90% of growth um, in Asia Pacific. When, when you look at markets like Germany with 56% growth or, or the UK with above 100% growth, then I think the, the essence is always the same. It's, it's run products that, that are performing very well. Um, the monster, the gold, the surfer, we spoke about it, making up 45% of our performance run range. So new products that, that um, have been received really, really well. And we're closely monitoring that the products are being, you know, adopted by runners and being worn on runners' feet along the key running route. So when we look at share, and um, there we sometimes reach above um, 15%. And then you you have products that's slightly different, especially on the performance all day side. So if you look at the U.S., the Cloud Nova is extremely strong. Um, it, it's performing very, very well. If you look at China, you, for example, have a product like the CloudX. That is, the, that is the strongest franchise. And we feel this is very, very healthy because it allows us to basically balance different products and, and then also use them over time um, for, for, for different regions so we're not reliable on one product. And that was also a clear goal to reduce basically the, the share of the cloud over time, which we're very much achieving. And just one more remark uh, I want to make here, which is, we invested a lot in, in really rooting and communicating the brand from a performance perspective and also reaching uh, a younger audience. And it's paying out in, in, all the, in all the countries. And just an example there, also in, in the UK, you know, we're, we're very happy to have over 100% growth and very much coming from an audience that is among the youngest that we have uh, globally. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Jim Duffy with Stiefel. Your question, please. Thank you, our guests for Mark and Martin. Uh, I wanted to start by asking about regional differences in channel mix and momentum. Uh, Martin, I believe you mentioned Europe and Asia D2C growth outpaced wholesale. That implies imbalance of wholesale growth in North America. I'm curious, is that a function of comparison supply chain issues in the prior year? Or is that simply reflective of selfing momentum and uh, pure wholesale appetite for the product? I think if we if we just look at the growth rates, it's a it's a bit a function of the of the comparison. Um, so Q Q2 will be the first quarter where also COVID doesn't play a, 
a, a role anymore in our prior year numbers, um, maybe with the exception of, of, of China. But um, we, we continue to see, and, and it's, it's fully our, our strategy to have a stronger growth rate in our D2C channel, both e-com and online, compared to our wholesale channel. And uh, that's a strategy that we follow in, in all the geographies, and uh, we see a similar momentum in, in, in all the geographies now on a, on a more comparable base. Um, we invest significantly in our digital capabilities to connect uh, more directly with our customer to, to increase uh, our service level with our customers in, in our direct channels and, and the experience overall. Um, and as, as Mark said, the, the, our own retail stores play an important part. We gave the example of, of London, um, but we see a similar pattern also in, in, in LA or in Tokyo, where our retail stores are additive to our um, online channel, but also additive to our wholesale channel. Thank you. I'd also like to ask about the uh, planned timing of marketing spend across the balance of the year and any specific marketing uh, plans around the upcoming tennis majors like uh, Wimbledon and the French Open. Yeah, what you what you see happening in marketing, and I think what what you experience is really a shift um, from from lower funnel to upper funnel. So we are we, we will continue to to build the brand and to reach a wider audience. This is what you saw with the launch of the Card Surfer, and this is one of the key reasons why why we also decided to to move into tennis. And um, we're very happy with the impact that that Ega and Ben already have. It, it allows us to bring the own logo and the own brand um, on the chest of some of the best players to a very, very large audience. And so, so what we will do is basically um, have, a, have a major launch event around the, the US Open with the two players. It's gonna be around August, so late August, just before the game is starting. And it's our very clear goal to continue to make tennis and a very inclusive sport that we can also connect between different audiences. So not to just to have it as a spectator sport, but basically how can we connect the pro tennis players with the audience that is playing it all day and every day. And so what you experience with the on-track night, which is essentially what we're doing on the performance running side, we're gonna bring the same concept to tennis and this is how we how we wanna activate the the players in in um in during the US Open. And then I just wanna highlight two more key elements for on. The world champs in Budapest are gonna be very important for us. And um, it's, it's the clear goal to be competing for medals on, on one of the biggest stages. And then this is also uh, the last test, so to say, before Paris, um, which, is, which is gonna be a very important moment for us. So how can we bring more sustainable innovation and lead from a performance side to, to a huge audience through athletes? And this is what Paris will be about. Thank you. And the next question will be from Alex Traven with Wong Stanley. Your question, please. Great, good morning. Thanks for taking my question and, and congrats on another great quarter. Martin, I have two that are probably best for you. Just first, I wanted to clarify something on the guidance. Looks like you only flowed through part of the first quarter EBITDA beat to the full year. Um, from the commentary, it just sounds like that's conservatism, but I want to make sure I'm not missing anything there that's limiting the, the flow through. 
And then second, just on gross margin, I think freight was like an 800 bips impact last year, and I'm seeing gross margins up 650. So I'm just wondering, does that mean you didn't fully recapture the, the air freight or there, there's something else pressuring margin? Just want to make sure I'm understanding all the moving pieces there. Thanks. Alex, happy, happy to, to go there. Um, so let me let me start on on the on the margin side. So really, um, we we continue to to see a very high share of, of full price sales. Um, so there's no no discounting in, embedded in there. Um, compared to um, to to last year, um, we still have a, a negative um, FX impact in there, especially from the from the weaker euro. And then that elevated inventory level that we have uh, has, has also created some additional uh, freight costs, especially for delayed unloading of, of container, which uh, which are also reflected in the in the in the cross profit that we had for the for the first quarter. But uh, we we are out of this, that 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 topic. Um, so so going forward, um, we we foresee that we continue driving a, a high cross profit margin in, in line with our uh, long term goal of of, of 60 percent. Um, again, there's there's still pressure from the from the weaker euro on the margin side of, of 60 to 100 basis points, um, but the rest of the business is, is really set up to deliver on that uh, higher margin. Our price increases have been very well received by the by the consumers. We haven't seen any any demand impact um, on on EBTA. Again, our our philosophy is to invest into the business and into the future growth um, while driving profitability. So this is why for us um, the, the full year number is, is the one that we are managing, the 15% EBITDA. And um, so we are investing into, into people, we are investing into, um, in, into marketing, into brand building, um, into innovation in order to, to, to become a, a bigger brand in the, in the future. At the same time, um, we also have a lot of initiatives to, to drive economies of, of scale, uh, being in, 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 in happiness delivery, uh, but then of course also in, in the operations of our warehouses. And uh, this, is, this is reflected in the, in the full year guidance on the EBDL level. Great, thanks a lot. The next question is from the line of Tom Nikic with Wetbush Securities. Your question, please. Hi, I'm good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I just want to ask, I know, you know we're growing very, very rapidly, and you know, I'm sure you have ambitions to you know, continue growing uh, over a multi-year period. Um, do you have today sufficient manufacturing capacity uh, with your partners to support you know, the growth that you expect to see over the next couple of years, or, you know, will you have to find uh, more uh, manufacturing capacity as you continue to grow? Yeah, thank you for, thank you for the question. I think it was, it, it's very clear that in on the manufacturing side in general, there is rather um, overcapacity right now than, than undercapacity, so it's, it's, um, it's not so difficult to have enough capacity. Nevertheless, we've been planning for that for many years, right? So we've been working with, with the same partners over time, and they know our growth aspirations. And I think the key here is not just to get capacity, but it's basically to allow to partner with the best um, innovators, right? And so what we're very much focusing on is how can we bring 
the most performant foam um, to the market? How can we have you know the best and lightest membrane? How can we have the most sustainable products in the market? And in the end, we're we're, we're investing a lot of time on partnering with the best chemical companies that are out there, and and this then leading um, to the best OEMs that that will help us manufacturing the product. And we're we're very confident that we've built a group of partners globally that allows us not just to reach the growth ambitions that we're having, but also to continue to be the most innovative brand out there. Great. And uh, just one quick follow-up. Um, when we look at EMEA, yeah, I think you talked about really great growth in uh, the United Kingdom and you know, strong growth in Germany. Um, you know, that would kind of suggest that you know, maybe there was some slower growth uh, elsewhere in the region. Um, are, are there, you know, sort of pockets of, of EMEA where, um, you know, maybe the, uh, you know, the, the brand has not picked up as much momentum as elsewhere? And, you know, would you view those as, as opportunities? Yeah. So when so, so when we're looking uh, when we're looking at it, I think um, with with the formation of the region, EMEA, there's many different elements in there. And so so let let's start with the Middle East, where we basically there's a very very strong demand, um, but we have a lot of opportunity in, in in setting up a good retail and 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 wholesale footprint. So that's just a very underpenetrated region um, compared to the demand that's out there. Then we look at Spain, Italy, which are huge markets, um, also on the lifestyle side, where we're literally just getting started. Um, we're growing strongly in France, but France, but it's still relatively underrepresented um, as a brand to some other markets. We've spoken about Germany and the UK, and then, and then there's Switzerland and Austria, where we very much focus on working with the right partners um, and bringing a performance run range um, to life. As part of that, we, you can also expect um, some, some changes on the partners we're working with, especially then for next year, very much trying to focus on the channels that allow us to reach the right consumer, which means we're going gonna to go out of comfort doors and brown shoe doors. Um, and, and, and obviously there's some change happening there, but then the, the impact is, is going to happen over time, and especially then also in spring, summer 24. We're quite confident that we can compensate um, a lot of that with new channels um, and, and with our own retail channel and own D2C channel that we continue to expand. Great. Thank you very much and uh, continue to cross the rest of the year. The next question is from the line of Jonathan Combe with Bert. Your question. Yeah, hi. Good afternoon. Casper, um, if you're still there, or Mark, I'm, I'm curious. I wanted to ask uh, really what you make of the strength of the newest performance models you're launching and just any perspective how that might be influencing your your forward product strategy. And then if you could comment at all on the, uh, the, the road to Paris 2024, you know, any high-level thoughts on what we should expect? Thank you, John, and, and thanks for asking a question about product. That's what we care about first and foremost. Um, yeah, yeah, as you mentioned, there's been a lot of anticipation uh, for the Cloud Surfer launch. Um, cloud Tech Phase is a very intuitively understandable uh, technology, um, and we've been blown away, uh, really, and surprised yeah, by how well it's been taken. Um, most retailers in our own lab shop have been selling through this uh, very, very quickly. I think Martin shared some numbers earlier. 
Um, and that's good news because we're we're about to roll CloudTech phase uh, out to to more products uh, into higher cushioning products uh, to the trail side and also to one of our lifestyle uh, models. Um, overall, uh, you know, you've, you've followed the, the market share gains that we've had in the running space, um, and that's really driven by some of the, the latest innovations that we've introduced over the last 12 months. Most notably, the, the Cloud Monster, you know, very prominent product that continues to be extremely strong. Where we're going to go into almost like a family of Cloud Monsters for uh, Spring 24. Um, but then, you know, maybe a little bit less exciting model like the Cloud Runner. You know that now uh, is, is usually among the, the top two sellers in, in run specialty doors that allows us to capture um, you know a market share from you know those bread and butter models uh, from other brands um, and giving the retailers an opportunity to expand their um, average price points because well, typically it's about 10 20 dollars more expensive and then towards Paris you know, many of you may may be aware that there's an arms race going on currently among the top performance brands of who makes the fastest shoes. Um, and uh, you know, we we start this lighting initiative with Inon only about 18 months ago. So to have someone like Hell Nobiri beat pretty much all the favorites on the women's side for the Paris uh, 24 marathon um, gives us a lot of confidence going into into the next season. Um, and at the same time, we're looking, how can we bring some of these performance technologies like the PBEX phones and so on to more consumers, maybe not the ones um, uh, you know, that are running a two-hour marathon, but maybe the ones that are running more of a four-hour marathon. Probably pretty much everybody on this call could benefit from these technologies. So those are the things that we're working on, John. Sounds like something I could benefit from. Looking forward to that. Um, and then just maybe a follow-up, Martin, um, thinking about the financial guidance, the revenue guidance for the year, it, it looks like um, the guidance implies first quarter should be about 24, 25% of the full year revenue. You know, his, historically, it looks like first quarter has been closer to 20% or below. Um, so anything that would change the shape of your 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 revenue uh, cadence throughout the year, or is that more a reflection of the conservatism that, that you're baking into the model? Thank you. So I think if we, if we look historically, there's um, it, it's really hard to find a, a comparable year with uh, all the disruptions that we had. And then um, remember back in 2021, we also changed our logic of launching new products um, from basically a launch in the in the in the second half of the year to a launch in the in the in more in January February, um, so I think it's it's hard to use uh, his, historicals. And as as I as I said in the in the beginning, if we look into the second half of the year, um, our order book is is strong and indicates that there is an opportunity to overachieve um, the number that we have. Um, but we also need to. Keep in mind, we had a very strong um, holiday season last year with very strong uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales, um, where we where we apply a certain level of cautiousness. Um, but again, from our product pipeline and uh, some of the things that that Casper mentioned, um, there's there's a lot of confidence that um, we 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 should see also strong reorders based on the on the pre-orders that we that we have on book. Um, but we don't want to be in a position where we have to take short-term decisions in order to chase growth. 
Very helpful. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Sam Poza with Williams Trading. Your question, please. Uh, um, good morning. Thank you. For, or good afternoon. Thank you for taking my question. Um, uh, most of the questions have been answered. Right. Two. One um, is just about inventory and where you know, and and really how to think about you know what you want your optimum turn to be. You know, sort of once we clear through this year, because you know. And then um, I have a follow-up. I have a separate question as well. Let's, let's start with, um, with, with inventory. So as, as, I, as I mentioned, for us, uh, a good way to think about it is on a, on a working capital basis, as, as a lot of the payables and inventory are ultimately related. So 30% working capital as a, as a goal, in, in percent of, 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 of net sales uh, over the last 12 months is, is for us a good indication on, on where we want to be. Uh, we had lower levels in, in, the, in the past, and, and of course we will continue working on, on optimizing our inventory, uh, B3 through direct shipments to some of our key account partners, of course working with, with our factory partners, um, but also optimizing our, our internal processes. So we um, we are we are clearly on this, um, but for the moment we'll be focusing on um, on basically bringing our our lead times back to where we see the reality now with with transit times. Um, and 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 then for us important is to 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 keep the to keep the inventory fresh, to keep the inventory in a position that we um, have more demand than supply. Um, so that's an important uh, part of, of planning the business in a, in a conservative way. Thank you. And then secondly, um, you talked about uh, not too much promotions. Um, I was wondering, one, um, in Switzerland, um, one of your larger uh, wholesale accounts, uh, I believe, um, uh, has just broke price and is 20% off of all your shoes, at least 20% off. There's some old ones that are marked down more. Um, that's something that just popped up in the last week, Oshner Sport. I assume that's a good customer of yours. Why are they breaking price right now? Thank you. Thank you uh, Sam, for that question. I think what, what's important to know, first and foremost, is that all the markets have different policies on how we can control pricing, right? So the U.S. knows MAP. Um, where it's very controlled in Europe, that doesn't exist. So every partner is free to, to decide on, on how they want to price in the end the product. We're working very closely with all the partners, and it's important that they're showing the product in a premium way and that they're reaching the right consumers, and you can rest assured that you know, we're, we're, we're making sure that we're not selling in too many products and that we're working with our partners on on uh, showing the premiumness of the brand in the right way. They wouldn't break price unless there was a need to break price, I would think, regardless of what is permitted in a marketplace. So could you repeat that? They wouldn't be promoting your product unless they thought they needed to promote your product. Um, that, you know, to drive more sales. So, you know, we haven't, you know, we haven't really seen that here in the U.S. yet. But, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, 
Is that because there's too much inventory in that particular retailer, or uh, and 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 again, you know, I, you know, I understand there are different rules, and you can't tell them what to do. But at the same time, yeah. it was sort of odd to see it. Yeah, maybe yeah, I think, could jump in yeah. here. This this particular retailer is 20% off site wide uh, on all their their running products, so this is not unspecific. Sam, let me just highlight two additional points. One is what we're having in Europe. Is there is a, a topic of euro versus Swiss francs as well. So, so as you know, we have different prices um, between markets. So this always plays an important role also in terms of where um, different uh, people can shop and can, access the, can get access to the product. And then I just want to highlight again, Switzerland is by far, um, as you know, the most penetrated market. And um, what we already said, that we're trying to make sure we're working with the right partners to reach the right consumer as part of that role. So um, not working with stores anymore and more on the ground shoe and, and comfort side. So, so and, and then Casper already mentioned the fact that, that um, this one is a side-wide and not just an up promotion. So there are no further questions, and I hand back to Jared Peter. Thank you, everyone, for being on the call. Have a good day. Ladies and gentlemen, the conference is now concluded, and you may disconnect your telephone. Thank you for joining, and have a pleasant day. Goodbye.